Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations with the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And this week's show is brought to you by Premier Hearing, who is also a stage sponsor for the 2021 South Carolina sectional taking place in Belton, South Carolina. Registration is now open, so head on over, sign up, and come on out and shoot the match with us. Going into this week's show, of course, I have the counterpart, the mirror image of such, the encyclopedia of guns, nobody else other than my main man, Dave. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Mike. What's going on, guys? Hey, not too much of my end, man, I guess. Coming off a great weekend with Toys for Tots. And yes, it was a great weekend. Yeah, that was a, an awesome, fun match that was taking place. But just like anything else, the beginning of the match um, kind of took me out of my my mind state, I guess you could say. You. You let it get to you. Mental game wasn't there. Yeah, I think what it was, if I wasn't doing RO stuff, I think I would have been okay. But by me being an RO and the first shooter kept getting reset like four times over because of stage mishaps. Yeah, yeah. It kind of played into me. And I think the portion that played into me more was I was one that actually helped set up the match. So, and I was looking at that as like, okay, that's a failure, tick mark, you know, negative tick mark and all this and that. So it, it kind of beat me up a little bit mentally, but it also took me out of my rhythm. So by the time we did the third reset of that guy, that's when I looked over at coach B and I was like, yep, I'm mentally checked out now. And it is hard to do. And I know exactly what you're talking about with the, you know, running the CSRA shooters matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just learned to not expect a whole lot out of my shooting, regardless of how bad I want to shoot well. Right. Um, at my own match, just, there's so much going on. Um, it's just just too distracting to to try to do both of them well. Yeah. So, but the best part about it was um, Mike Wingard. The day we were shooting, he was actually doing the range master stuff. And I think Derek was shooting that day. So he could focus more on the shooting. And then Sunday, they reversed roles. Whereas oh, Derek good. was the range master and Mike Wingard can focus more on um, his shooting. Yeah, it's very hard to do both. Yeah. So it was one of those things. But best thing about it, the Toys for Tots. <clears throat> raised more money this year and i don't recall what the total amount was i want to say it was four thousand plus which was more than it was last year yeah so last year i remember it was three thousand yeah i remember that yeah and i know we beat that this year we raised more I, i didn't hear the final number either though but yeah um she said it but i was so tired i was like 
yeah, I'll write you and get it from you later. <laughs> and I never wrote her and got it from her again. But we also ended up collecting more toys this year than last year. But the number of competitors was less than it was last year. Well, that's we still had a lot of competitors, but it's great that we were able to uh, to you know to bring in some more toys. I heard her uh, Linda say that she had to call the Marine Corps and tell them they needed to bring a bigger truck this time. And that, that's awesome. That is great to hear. Yeah. So it was a great match. Nice fun match. And for those who are following the M-W Tactical and Lucky Shot Firearms Challenge, Lucky actually got me on that match. So congratulations to Lucky. And he actually had me by 25 points. So that's technically two and a half targets or two targets and a piece of steel. However you want to look at it. Yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot, man. <laughs> I but, yeah, but it was it was all in fun. So um, I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. And just a little something, whereas we talk smack against each other and, you know, bring forth the competition value. That's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I had a great time. I just um, enjoyed trying to go fast <laughs> and had fun. Had fun shooting with you and our squad. Everyone else on the squad was great. It was, it was a real good time. Yeah. Now, one thing I did want to ask you was on one of the stages, I think it was stage three or it might have been stage. No, it had to be stage three. It was the one that had the footstool in front of the Toys for Tots banner sign. Yeah. Yeah. So you did the rocking motion by putting your foot up and just let the momentum carry you up and then bring you back down. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about doing that same thing. <laughs> But the only reason I backed out at the last moment, I was like, knowing my luck, what's going to happen is <laughs> my foot is going to slip <laughs> and I'm going to do a, a head toss over that board. So I was really concerned about that. I, I kicked all the sand off the top of it before I, before it was my turn to shoot. And I, was, I kind of expected that to happen, but luckily it didn't. Yeah. So like I say, even um, watching you do it in person and in a video, it worked out in your favor. Yeah, it was just um, position kind of, I don't know, just where it, where it worked out really well. Um, it got me in a good position to shoot over the top of the that, um, you know, short wall mm -hmm. and engage the uh, targets back behind the wall. And I don't know, help me kind of hold the momentum and, and get, get it going back in the other direction after, after you know, finish those targets. Yeah. Man, it looked pretty cool in video too yeah it, it did look cool. <laughs> like i said i was actually thinking that same thing but the only difference with me doing that was i just thought it would be faster to engage the targets from that one position like all eight on the side and then that one far one versus how you ran up to each one like yeah. you literally ran the whole course yeah and um but it was just in my mind, I was just trying to figure out what would be the faster way to, to shoot it. And that was the way I determined to be the faster way. But I'm not really certain which way would have been faster because nobody there that was shooting at my level 
did it the way you did it, like run around that I seen. Yeah, that's one of those things. The this it would be nice to be able to shoot it both ways and actually look at the, the time and look at the clock and see which one would be better. It's hard to tell because they were they're kind of drastically different stage plans. Right. But so I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. I had fun running it though. Just <laughs> Yeah. I didn't really care if that was the fastest way or not. I just that's how I wanted to shoot it. It was fun. Right. And that's how I, I went into stage six. Um, the whole thing was I was like, because you, you pretty much said the same thing I was thinking, whereas I'm gonna run regardless of what it looks like yeah. or what it's gonna look I just like. I just I just wanted to run. <laughs> I just wanted to go ahead and get a little bit of exercise in there. <laughs> now, one thing I didn't do on day one was hit the food truck. Day two, oh, I attacked the food truck. So the food truck was the company called Metro South Carolina Grill. And by the end of the second day, I was like starving. I mean, I was really putting in the work. And I was only doing RO duties on Sunday when I went back the second day. After tearing down um, a couple stages, I said, okay, I'm going to stop by the food truck. Ended up getting a burger and fries. Man, that was like a gourmet burger, to be honest with you. I, good. I didn't get a whole meal from them, but I did get the sample little bits that uh, some other shooters were bringing back to the stages, and it was good. What I had was really good. Oh, yeah. So I was more along the lines of like, okay, we need to bring this guy out to Belton <laughs> for the South Carolina section. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was that delicious. It was really that delicious, but – if you're actually in the South Carolina, Columbia area, look up Metro SGSC on Instagram. And then, of course, go to Facebook and look up Metro South Carolina Grill and give them a taste. Give them a plug. Say what's up to them. Tell them you heard good things about their food, their products, the chef. It was actually very delicious. I can attest to that. Let's take a quick commercial break right quick and um, come on back and then we'll talk about Spartanburg. So stay in All your right. seats and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com.
Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, good people. We're back at it again, and here we are, the mad scientist sitting across from me, and we're talking about the recap from the past two weeks, whereas we just got finished talking about the Toys for Tots match. That was a very successful match, and... I guess we could say we collected more of everything than we did last year. We did. Uh, we, we raised more money um, for the kids, for the, for the organization, and we brought in a lot more toys. Um, hopefully it'll help, you know, some of the kids around here have a better Christmas this year. Yeah. So that's, that's a good thing. So the week beforehand, we decided to go up to Spartanburg, South Carolina and shoot their monthly match up there. And of course, I've all, always said that the competition value is at Spartanburg, especially if you're running carry optics and an open division gun. There's a lot of uh, red dots there. Yeah, a lot more than most of the other places around South Carolina where we shoot. Yeah. So... Now, the best part about Spartanburg was this was the first match I shot the new Brazos custom gun that I got, and yeah. it was very different, but very pleasurable at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks very similar to what you have been shooting, but I know, I mean, you know, just from experience that even though they look similar, they're going to they're going to definitely have some differences and feel a little different. Oh yeah. So the Brazos custom gun that I got compared to the STI that I got is a little bit heavier and a little bit wider. That was like the, one of the first things that I've noticed. And the other thing that we always talked about on the other gun that got me DQ from all those other matches, those three, four matches through the season was the trigger pull. So now I got to get used to a 2.5 trigger pull. So when I actually shot the Spartanburg match, I only had the firearm for maybe two days. So I didn't really have much time to really get used to it. And it showed both at Toys for Tots and that Spartanburg <laughs> match. <laughs> I saw a couple ADs there, but it wasn't anything dangerous or you know, it wasn't a dis decubable defense uh, offense. It, it was all right. Yeah. So what I actually ended up doing last night when I was draw firing, instead of trying to prep the trigger, like I'm used to doing, 
So now my thing is, is when I activate the safety, that's when I put my finger, my index finger on the trigger at the same time. Okay. Yeah. You'll get used to it. It just, it'll just take a little time. Yeah. And that's what I said. So right now I'm not doing what I normally do in dry fire. I am literally sitting here like 30 minutes at a time, just pulling it out the holster, trying to fill the trigger. And then when I get finished yeah. doing yeah. those 30 minutes, now, as I'm sitting in a chair or like just relaxing, I'm actually charging the firearm back and putting my finger on the trigger and I'm trying to predict when the bang should happen. So like I'm feeling for the wall and then I'll just, okay, bang. And then that's what I'm trying to program myself to do right now. You'll get there. And that's one of the things that I kind of dread about making changes or changing gear or doing anything different is because now I can't do my regular dry fire now i have to spend yeah. you know time just just getting accustomed to whatever the change is that i made that that new holster i picked up at uh nationals man i i really thought about throwing that thing away when i first got it <laughs> <laughs> but um you know i spent probably three weeks just really focusing on draws which i haven't even thought about in probably a couple of years um so it was frustrating at first but now i'm, I'm I'm used to it now and I don't even think about it anymore. So it's just one of, one of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm in the same boat because I ended up getting a new holster also from JM4 Tactical since I am now with them. And I am still in that phase of going extra slow, trying to get used to everything before I could try to pick up speed a little bit. So yeah, yeah. it's something, um, it happens over the course of time, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's just you will get it burned into the subconscious and you won't have to think about it. Yeah. So um, going into those Spartanburg matches. Now, you heard Dave actually say I had a couple AD encounters, but <laughs> they wasn't DQable because according to the rule, as long as you fire it into the berm, you're good. All right. So, of course, my first shot, I was lining up my sights and I already had my finger prepped on the trigger and it just went off as I was lining it up, you know, but <laughs> yeah, I was standing right next to you. I was actually uh, running the timer. Yeah, I was like, it caught me oh, off guard. So I was oh, like, yeah, it was. Man, here we go. But did you say anything? I was like, forget it. Just, oh, it was fine. You may even actually hit the target. I don't know. You were pointing at the target. You just weren't at a full index yet so there was nothing wrong with it i can't remember where the round hit because it startled me because i wasn't ready for it to go go off yeah but then um because the first one i want to say it was two headshots and whatever it was oh, yeah. i know that's where i was focusing on the head if that's yeah it was a partial target i don't remember yeah. i mean it was it was it may have actually hit the target i don't know it was really close there was nothing unsafe about it it was fine right. just uh, unexpected on your <laughs> exactly <laughs> right then and there i made the determination for the rest of the day i am going to go slow before i pull that first shot and it, it kind of worked out for me i think it worked out for me but the overall results for that day i came in 11th out of 21 so i mean i wasn't disappointed because i knew what i had to face which was getting used to this new firearm especially with two and a half pounds less than I'm used to dealing with on the trigger. 
Yeah, that's a 50% lighter trigger. That's a lot to get used to. Yeah. The big, big change. Mm -hmm. But the first stage, it was um, very unique. And if you go on Instagram, you can see the order of the stages that I actually shot when I was there at Spartanburg. The only stage I didn't record was the classifier. But if you go back to Dave's video, you can see that train wreck of a performance. <laughs> I recorded it and put it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so you can actually see all the stages between my Instagram social media and Dave's Instagram media. So it is what it was. Like I said, it's all in fun, though. It, uh, eh, it happens. Just trying to go too fast through that middle section on the on the steel of the classifier stage but when i initially came into that position i know for a fact i wasn't low enough as far as my movement went i wasn't aiming i was really spraying and praying and then when i realized like okay i'm nowhere near the target then i really slowed <laughs> need down to, need to use your sights <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and it was one of those type things i took the stage for granted you know, because the target was pretty, I mean, the steel was pretty close, but that still didn't give me the excuse to not use the sights, you know, because yeah. it's not like a, a big piece of paper in front of you, like some targets are where you could just point it and just pull it and go on to the next one. So, well, like kind of the stage kind of starts like that. You start on a two, on two paper targets really close. Right. And then you transition to that steel that's a little bit further away. I don't know. What is it? 12 yards i don't know right. but it definitely requires some sight picture right so i don't know yeah but like I said, it was the new classifier so um what i will do is i will pull up what i did at nationals and compare what i did in spartanburg but oh, it had, to, had to be better <laughs> yeah well i think nationals is a whole lot better yeah <laughs> what my sight's being off <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the same time, when you turn around and you look at it, um, like I said, I, I went into it with the mindset of, you know, just spray and pray. And like I said, I wasn't even using the sights at all. I was just pointing the gun and trying to move and shoot. Hopefully it would hit, but it didn't work out the way I needed it to. <laughs> well, I could see in the video when you actually started using your sights. Yeah, it was like on the last three you targets. Could, <laughs> yeah, you, it's, you can tell there's a difference. I'm, I don't know exactly what I noticed, but yeah, I don't know. You you were looking down the sights on toward the end of it. You could you could see a difference in the way you're shooting. Right. But. Now, what did you think about the second stage we done? Um, that was a stage that Vince Poteet um, came up with. And that was the one where, where we started with, the, we had to start with our toes on Mark outside of the shooting area. And then when you step in, it was that little port and it also had to target on the left-hand side. So you can either shoot that one and then shoot the two in the port. Well, you had a two in the back in the port, then the two still that activated the swinger or the drop turn. He started in the port with the two pieces of steel. Right. One open paper and the drop. I got you. There you go. I got you. Right, so I thought that one was pretty fun. I didn't. I didn't shoot it like I wanted to. I, I got. I don't know. I had planned on leaving the drop turner because it was going to cost me some more time standing there waiting on it to shoot it. And I think right as I was leaving, I caught a glimpse of it out of like 
the corner of my eye and I just started shooting at it. <laughs> and, then, and then I don't know. It was just not my plan. And then for I don't know. For some reason I just started shooting at it and then it slowed me down. And then I, I got into my conscious thought and it just kind of messed me up a little bit. But it was a fun stage. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um I like the fact that the options that they gave you because if I would have had a chance to do it differently, I would have done two things differently, which would have been how the still was activated because shooting in that port, I want to say I shot the paper target first and then I went to the still. I just followed everything in a straight line going across. Yeah. But what I should have done was shoot the two stills going from right to left to come back to that drop turn. And then as I'm stepping out, fade out, aiming at that target outside of the port. And then go around the barrel and do everything. Yeah, I think that's the way I shot it. Yeah, I took the the one to the left of the wall. Right. On the way out. I shot that one last. Yeah, so I did it. That was my first shot. But leaving that hard turn, the hard left turn, coming around the barrel to shoot those two, that double stack. Yeah. Now going into the other ones, I would have done that differently because I think what I would have done was on the exit of that barrel, I would have took a deeper step out to my right to shoot that one low target and then take that big step back to the left to shoot that partial and keep going instead of taking the choppy steps in the middle to hit both of them. I got you. Yeah. So that one was pretty cool. I um I forgot to forgot to mention that I did win the Toys for Tots match overall. Oh, nice! Yeah, I just, like I said, um, I put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely and, gotta put that in there. <laughs> and I won the Spartanburg match we're talking about right now. Again, plug myself. <laughs> so when um, yeah, when I was looking at that stage, I was more like um okay, how can I run this and make it better? But I think when I got to the end of the stage, that's when I was trying to open it up a little bit more, but it was already too late then. But just the fact of just thinking too much about it, I think the mental game is very important when it comes to shooting. So. Oh, it is, yeah. And that's what I mentioned on that stage in particular. I I kind of screwed myself up with the mental game I got. I did something different than my plan and I got into my conscious thought. And then that, you know, when that happens and you're, then you're not shooting at, you know, your full ability and it uh, messed my plan up. I finished it all right, but it uh, wasn't as smooth as I was planning on. Right. And then um, we left that stage and we went back into the deep woods and that one you can only do so much back there because it's kind of on an incline and it's not really level surface only for the little bit of the shooting area and the spectator area. But that one, when I did it at that moment, I was like, this is going to be my favorite stage for the day because normally that is the better stage that they always have in the back. Um, I always like it. I just like being out in the woods and shooting targets for, I don't know. It's just different kind of atmosphere back there. It's pretty yeah, cool. So for that one, they had um, more steel on that one. And um, 
the way it was set up, it was it it was very different because even though it's a a small stage looking at it, there is so much going on as far as shooting. <laughs> there was a lot, yeah. There were with the barriers, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten paper targets and four pieces of steel. Right. So, um, I thought it was unique, and I actually had uh, Julie Galal look at this video and had her analyze it for me. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and she actually made the comment that everything looked good to her. The only thing that she saw that she would actually say do differently was take bigger steps because of my height. And she was like, obviously whoever was working with you or whoever you looking at or talking to, they're saying, take short choppy steps. Yeah. Which was the same assessment that I came up with a few months ago, just looking at my videos Whereas I made a determination that whoever I look at, they need to be tall like me because everybody who I'm referencing right now is short and it's a whole different ballpark when it comes to body movement. Hmm. Yeah. You were talking about that with, with Jessica in the uh, last interview. Correct. So, um, um, so that's part of it. And, but she was like, outside of that, everything else she, she liked about it, but, her favorite part in that stage was the reload. She was like, Oh, that, that reload was smooth. I like that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of, what Magwell is on that new gun of yours? The Brazos big mouth two. That's what it's called. So I think it's like a plastic bottom. Okay. I, I, I don't know that I've seen that one. Yeah. I'll have to check but, it out. Yeah. Right now, the plastic is not beat up and chewed up or anything like that. So, well, <laughs> it's just a matter of not tearing your arm up. <laughs> not yet, not yet. So, I think what I'm gonna do is here, around about January, I might go ahead and try to order some about three or four more of those plates. Yeah, and um, run it like that, and just see how that's gonna work out for me. Well, that's good. That's good. So now, what do you think about the other stage? The one, well, the next stage would have been the classifier stage. So we already talked about the classifier, but the one after the classifier was the one that was the open area by where the <laughs> registration table is. That was one in the middle that had the big piece of steel that was an activator to a swinging target. Correct. I um, am not sure that I shot that. I don't know. I start. You had a um, option to start anywhere within the shooting area, I believe. Mm -hmm. is the way that one worked, and I kind of started um, uh, downrange a little bit and and backed up on a few targets um, that weren't visible until you till you got a little further back up range behind a, a couple barrels. And I don't know. That's another one of those things where I'm not sure. I'd like to see it on a timer and shoot it another way to see um, which one which one would be better. But the reason I did that because it uh, you had some up at the the beginning of the stage that you had to get all the way back in the shooting area to engage. You couldn't see them from anywhere else, and you also had to go down to this left corner on the left side of the stage to get a couple more targets behind a wall. But then you had to back up again to get 
to the middle of the stage to get down the hallway area. And that big popper was staring you right in the face, right in the middle of that hallway. <laughs> and um, I wanted to take it on while I was moving down the hallway, getting into position down at the end of that area. And that's why I, I chose to shoot the stage that way originally. And, I mean, it worked out okay, but I don't know if it was the fastest way that um, for me to shoot it or not. And I don't think I was shooting for speed on this stage. It was just a matter of just trying to figure out how to keep everything going smoothly. Yeah. And I did it opposite of what you did, whereas I started in the far up right most corner as you're facing the stage, looking at that big piece of steel and engaging the two targets on the right and going towards the left. So I pretty much made like a big C to come back into the hallway off the reload. And then I, well, after I engaged those two targets at the beginning, I hit the big piece of steel to continue to make the big C, then doing the reload, coming into the hallway, shooting in that port. Then as I'm coming out the port, I shouldn't have waited for the swinger to expose itself. I should have shot everything else and then came back to the swinger. But I waited for the swinger, and then I cleaned up the other three targets. Yeah, sometimes the, the um, timing sequences on the moving targets is is tricky. I, I like that part of it, that kind of stuff, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the timing. How many – try to see how many targets you can pick up before the moving target is, is visible and <laughs> – I just found that interesting. Well, I think the more I get used to this new gun, I will try to push it a little bit more because I was wanting to try it the way you said do it. Cause I was always like, okay, I'm gonna try one stage how Dave said, and I'm gonna push <laughs> it. And that was the stage I was thinking about doing that. But then I was like, well, hold on. New gun, 2.5 pound trigger. That's way lighter than yeah, what. Yeah, that may not have been the time. Once you're comfortable with it, then you won't have to think about the gun anymore. Correct. So I was like, all right, well, there's always a time to come back to it. <laughs> yeah. But overall, that that was a good stage. And seeing the way you ran it, that's originally how I looked at it until coming back all the way up. That was the only thing that got me was starting in that far corner was coming back up because I felt like like the whole backing up, it was going back too far to engage that hallway, which would have panned out if you was to shoot everything on the move anyway. You know. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was it would it gave me time to do a reload also going into the hallway. And then before I was actually in position for anything else, I could engage that that popper which was the activator. I don't know. It, I don't know. It worked out okay. I just don't know about the time. I think I could have shot it a little bit faster, but it worked out. I hit everything. <laughs> <laughs> then um, the last stage, that was the better stage, in my personal opinion, because of the fact I don't know what it was, but I just decided to open it up a little bit and the only thing I did differently than what my game plan was, I went too deep into that first corner versus leaning over, taking the shots, and then leaning back to take the port, dude, reload, and then hit the drop turn. Because I think after you shot it 
everybody after you did the same exact thing far as just leaving the drop turn like they just oh did they yeah and they really didn't shoot at it well that one was it was the way it was set up it was a non uh, penalty target it was just right. dis- disappearing target so you you didn't have to engage it mm-hmm. you, you would you would uh get two no penalty mics if you didn't engage it which don't you know count for anything you don't get the points but you don't get penalized for it and it just seemed like it was really slow to activate and it was I, i'm looking at the video right now and then that one little section where that drop turner was i'd already cleared all the targets before that thing ever turned around on its first first um display and so i was already on to the next next couple targets it would have just cost me time just sitting there waiting on it so i just decided not to shoot it yeah so when i actually went into that port what i actually did i shot the steel the far paper and then came back and caught it on the first turn and then of course i turned and finished up on the last two um steel and paper in the other portion of that barrel But yeah, I'm I'm watching it right now. I I shot the steel, the the paper two on the paper, and it still hasn't turned around. You know, I don't ever see it turn around in my video. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but then again, your gun is so fast, and of course, your movements are in parallel with your gun, so you just took off from it yeah <laughs> and I think even if you were to come back and catch it, I think that would have messed you up more than you know anything yeah some of them you know activate a little quicker than others that one just happened to be a little slow but uh that worked out that's that's you know part of the stage strategy figuring out uh you know whether it's worth the points you need the points and sacrifice a little time or or if you you know go for the time if you can sacrifice a, a few points something to consider with with that kind of target yeah, so I don't know what was um what got into me on that last stage for me to decide to even open it up a little bit like that, whereas I really didn't do that for the other stages, you know, and I honestly, I can't say right now if it was, okay, I felt comfortable with the gun or if it was just, just throw it all on the line. I, I don't remember what I was thinking at that time. But I'm I do sure know, you were. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, but I, I do believe that was the best stage performance I had of the day. I'm sure you were getting more comfortable with the gun. I mean, by then you that one uh, AD you had was I think on the first stage, and you didn't have any other issues after that. With the gun ran great, right? I'm sure you were getting more comfortable with it. But then, if you were to say anything about um, toys for tots. I want to say I had that same AD incident on two or three stages. Oh, did you? I only saw one. I didn't realize you had uh, others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what stage was the first one on? Um, I want to say it was like stage... Actually, it was stage five, stage six, and maybe two or three, one of those. 
but because I made the comment, I was like, "Oh, that might be my new dorm, just to have that one." <laughs> I, I remember you saying, "I remember you saying that." Yeah. Well, at least you're not shooting the ground right in front of your feet anymore. So you're Sorry. you're you're getting the gun further up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the um, the best part about it. So that's the recap of the Spartanburg match and the Toys for Tots match. So. Outside of that, I've been staying pretty busy with the whole sponsorship deal for the South Carolina sectional as well. Yeah, well, we all have been. I, we opened up registration this week. Um, we had quite a few register, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as registration opened. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still plenty of spots left, though, um, Saturday and Sunday morning or afternoon. Um, all the stages are designed. We're going to get them submitted to USPSA very soon for approval. Right. Um, that sometimes can, can take a couple months or so, but that's not a big deal. We have time for that. Right. Um, we're staying busy and we've got the, uh, CSRA match, CSRA shooters coming up the last, well, fourth weekend of November, um, after Thanksgiving, it's going to be the last match of the year. So if you want to come shoot CSRA shooters match, it's the last opportunity this year. Come check it out. Come shoot with us. Do you have any words for the good people before we depart off for this next commercial break and bring in the interview E for this week? Julie Gallup. She is, she has won just about everything that uh, you can win. I believe, hasn't she several world titles and, Man, her record is so in-depth. It's kind of those, <laughs> yeah. wow, it's yeah. very impressive. The one thing that really impressed me about her when it comes to shooting is the fact that she's the only one that, well, I won't say the only one. She's the only female that has won seven divisions in USPSA. Seven. I didn't know that. I didn't really, I didn't know anybody has done that. But, so yeah, she's, she's the only, that's pretty one. great. And, and now granted when she grabbed those seven, PCC wasn't even in USPSA. Yet. Right. Yeah. That was, that's a fairly new one. Yeah. And then she actually stated that she never um, shot PCC in competition. Yeah. Well, good. Should be a good interview. I just want to thank um, Gun Butter, uh, the Blue Bullets, Sharpshooters Outdoor Range, Shooters of Augusta, and Hunters HD Gold for staying with us and, and helping us, you know, with support and helping us uh, do what we do. Right now, we're going to go ahead and ask everybody, please stay in your seats and check out a few words from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jesse Harrison, and you're listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The Gun Cleaners, 
Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And this week's person who we're going to interview is someone who I look up to. And I can actually say the first time I saw this person, their picture was on a wall when I went to the unit where I was working at. When I actually met the person in person, it was a number of years later and I was lost for words. I couldn't say anything because of the fact I was starstruck in a sense of speaking. But without further ado, I would like to welcome Julie Galab to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Julie? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. This is fun. Oh, God, trust me, it is more fun for me than it is for you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I just want to have an organic conversation with you um, in relation to shooting and your overall life, because I think you have a good mix between life and shooting, and it complements each other. But I want you to start off by telling everybody, who is Julie Galab? Oh, uh, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> Unintended. Um you know, I'm just somebody who just genuinely loves to be happy and has been able to be in the right place at the right time and has put in a lot of hard work so that I've been able to to chase my personal dreams on the range in the field and, and beyond as a pro shooter and author and, of course, serving my country like you, a veteran. And and uh, it's just been a great, wonderful ride. I have two beautiful children and a loving husband, and uh, I, I am so grateful for everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. You know, um, earlier today, I was talking with my brother, and he doesn't follow the sport of shooting like I do. And when I told him I was interviewing you, and of course, he was asking questions, and it, it was funny because he was like, well, who is she? And I was like, well, I mean, she's the only person that ever won seven divisions, you know, female wise. And then too, she is one of my top three favorite shooters. And when he Aww. asked that question, like, why is she your favorite shooter? Because <laughs> a lot of times when you hear me say something like that, there's a reason why, just like everything else. But 
I was more along the line of, you have to understand this sport is male driven, but her accomplishments by themselves was enough to say, come at me. I proved you wrong. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I, I love it. I just, I just overall, I love it. And then he was like, okay, I get it. I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind of you. Yeah, yeah. Just being honest, just being honest. So on top of that, your titles, you've done a number of shows from cooking, hunting, and you was a host on a couple of them. And <laughs> you are also an author. So how did you decide to go into a cooking show off of shooting? <laughs> so, um, well, I... I grew up in upstate New York um, with uh, my dad as my hero, basically. He hunted and he went shooting all the time and I was his little psychic. And so um, that kind of fostered the career of me being able to join the Army shooting team and, and shoot for a living. But after I got married and had kids, <laughs> my first daughter, my husband and I were transferred up to Glasgow, Montana, which is one of the most remote places that you can get to in the United States. I think they even did something in the news for it. And uh, being someone who's literally traveled the globe, getting to try all sorts of food and being rather spoiled and all this other stuff, I found myself stuck in Montana with nothing to do but learn how to cook. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it basically, we had a lot of uh, trial and error dishes and my main source of protein was venison. So that's kind of where I, I took the things and the flavors that I loved and ordered a lot of things on Amazon <laughs> so mm. I could try them out and test them at home. And it just kind of became something that I fell in love with as well as, you know, shooting and hunting in general. So it worked out. Wow. I think a cooking conversation would go good between my brother and you. Oh, is he, is he a foodie? <laughs> he is one of those type people when we go out and eat and he lives out in California, mm. he will actually eat something and state, I can make this better. Wow. And he awesome. sent me pictures of like different foods and it's like almost chef quality in a sense That's of speaking. And, and, you know, and yeah. he never went to like any type of school for cooking or anything. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Have me over more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look for me. <laughs> yeah. Now, which I read something and I can't remember where I read it at, but I remember something about once you got out the military, you want to take a break from shooting and yes. you want to pursue being an English teacher. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So explain that. And what was the draw for that? Uh, so when I was ready to get out of the army, I was ready. I was, I was done. Um, it was a very intense eight years and I was in a place where I didn't feel I had any control over my own destiny. And I think that happens a lot with people who serve, you know, they're, especially when they change, they have change of command and, you know, who move the cheese kind of thing. Um, right. life changes quite a bit and I, I had enough. And so I was like, well, I've always loved writing. I've always loved teaching. This makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go to school and, and become an English teacher. Why not? This makes sense. My dad was a teacher, so it seemed to be a, a smart thing to do. And uh, it wasn't long before I missed shooting so much that that didn't pan out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I went to a local match and I'm like, why did I stop shooting? I love this. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, everything kind of fell into place that way. But I have been able to take 
that interest and that love of teaching people um, and also for writing and, you know, spend time on the internet doing YouTube videos and stuff like that and, and you know, writing books. And so it's been, it's been neat. Yeah. So now that break, how long was that break before you made the decision to get right back into shooting? Oh gosh, it wasn't very long at all. <laughs> um, so I was stop lost in um, for a while, for almost a full year, and uh, because of September 11th. And when I was given the notice of, hey, guess what? You're out in 30 days. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, I basically um, just started working at temp jobs and that sort of thing until school started in the fall. And it was probably... I wouldn't say six months that I, I decided to just jump back in. And, and it gave me a whole new appreciation. Again, my dad and I grew up when we scraped and scrounged to get, you know, ammo and, and match money and all that stuff. But when you're basically out of the army, hoping to live off GI Bill and all that stuff, right. <laughs> working temp jobs, you're like, whoa, I really need to make this ammunition count. <laughs> Right. And this is hard, you know, going from grab a bucket of ammo and shoot all day to not at all. Um, and so uh, it, it kind of opened my eyes again to the average person who goes out and does this because they love it mm. and uh, and strives to be a better shooter because they're passionate about it. And it wasn't it was no longer a job for me at that point. And I was just like, this is why did I even stop? I, I lost the 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 real reason, I think you know, for chasing titles, the, the reason why I love the shooting sports so much. Oh, okay. Um, now, I did mention this to somebody else who I was speaking with this morning. And when I said this, they was like, well, why would she quit if she did all this accomplishments? And I, my answer was this, where she was working at in the army, it wasn't Oh, just go shoot and have fun. It was, you got to win. And if you don't win so many matches or whatever their curriculum was at that time, you go to regular army. <laughs> so it isn't like you just shoot like you used to shoot. Right. And I said, that's kind of stressful on somebody, especially like if you're joining the military, 18, 19 years old, you know, uh for us um, at the time, there was a lot of, uh, during my time in, because it was a peacetime army for the vast majority of it, we transitioned to recruiting command from TRADOC. And so, uh, you know, the overwhelming understanding of how hard it is to be an army recruiter set on our shoulders because we were part of recruiting command. And so I would spend more time doing demonstrations and working air shows and events than I would on the range. And, um, you know, that eventually changed a year later when, you know, things went back and, and it was more of a trainer train, train the trainer situation for those in the AMU. But it's, it's hard because, you know, it, it the mission changes constantly. Uh, yeah. it, it seemed at least while I was in. And so it got to be a little bit of, oh, why, well, this was not what I signed up for exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and when I did have to shoot or was allowed to shoot, there was so much pressure to perform and uh, win when you didn't really have the time to put into winning. Because let's face it, I mean, shooters, the talent field out there is incredible. So you, you can't be slacking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now we know that you hunt and yes. you enjoy hunting. So yes. are you planning on doing some form of a show with hunting? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no, why not? 
<laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a meat hunter and I am I have a various limited place to do that uh, where I hunt. I I, I I can't see myself at this point in my life traveling around hunting. I mean, that would be amazing, but right. um, I have two little girls at home and uh, I still enjoy shooting. Um, so it's very hard to balance both. Um, okay, well, that's that's respectable and understandable. <laughs> understandable. Now you were the host on one of my favorite shows, um, Top Shot. Ah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't a host. I was a guest. I was a yes. guest. I want to be, I want to be clear. Yes, <laughs> Kobe, yes, yes. I'm, I mean, I'm not, not the host. I'm sorry. You was an expert trainer Very good. on Top Shot. Yeah, let me clarify my wording there. That's okay. I mean, if it gives <laughs> praise, I'm good with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were on this episode of Top Shot, you introduced the competitors to the MP 40. Yes. Right? Because you are team captain for MP. So how did that blend for Top Shot come into play for you? Um, so that all worked out because of connections with Terran Tactical Innovations. He was working with the team at the time and uh, they wanted to bring on a new firearm and at at that time, the MFP was very new. And so uh, we basically brought out firearms and uh, that worked with their armors, or I did anyway. And uh, they developed this crazy challenge. <laughs> and uh, I got to, you know, help the, the shooters that shot it through and give them some advice. Uh, I never really got to shoot the challenge, which bummed me out. Um, mm. But you'll, you'll appreciate this. As there's so much downtime when you're filming a television show like that, especially at that scale. I mean, there had to have been 30, 40 people on the set. Um, while they were doing all of the filming with all of the cast members, I got to go off to the side and test one of the challenges in the future. So I got to shoot a musket uh, for the first time to test it. Cause they're like, we don't know if these guys will be able to do this. Will you try it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I got to do my own little top shot with myself. <laughs> really. How was that experience with the musket though? Oh, it was totally cool because I had never, I mean, like it was an old school, like pistol musket, you know, so like, right. like cool. Um, I, I've certainly shot muzzleloaders and that sort of thing in the past, but it was the lag time was pretty incredible from the, when the pan would fill up and the flame up and then the bullet would not bullet, but the ball would leave the yeah. uh, end of the barrel. So it was neat. I was like, yeah, bucket list, but one of those things. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. Like when you pull the trigger, there was like at least like a three or four second delay. And then if you was to like take your concentration off, you would have been like, what? And then the shot would have went someplace else. Yes, <laughs> I think they had, I think we shot at like milk jugs. And so, and they were relatively close. They weren't very far. Um, but yeah, I was just like waiting, waiting, waiting. And you're like, okay, it seems like forever. Yes, <laughs> then it goes yeah. off and then the whole thing goes, you know, and so it was really neat. <laughs> yeah. I, I shot one before it was, I was out in Texas when I shot it and I shot it three times. The first time I shot it, it was like an eternity. And then as soon as I went to go look, like bring it back and look, it went off and I was like, oh, okay. And they was like, oh yeah, we forgot to tell you, it's gonna be a big pause in there. I was like, oh, okay. Then the next time I went ahead and I did it, but it was very different because it wasn't what I was used to. Yeah, you know? it gives you a whole new appreciation for people who are successful in that, with that platform because yes. it takes some patience. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> Follow through <laughs> is definitely a little more important. <laughs> yeah, so now, 
you wrote a couple books and the first one is something that I can actually see you writing um, your guide or shoot your guide to shooting and competition, because that yep. is along the path of your journey from the military to where you are now with shooting. Yep. Your second book was a children's book. And I was like, God, oh, that's pretty unique. Cause I have a, <laughs> another friend of mine who also wrote a children's book for gun oh. safety. Yeah. And I, I was like, wow, that's, that's a unique way to actually introduce children to firearms. And I ended up buying um, the other book for my friend. And I said, I was going to buy your children's book or child's book for my daughter also. Oh, well, that's sweet. That's yeah. very sweet. And then the last one, I was like, okay, this is unique because whenever this question is asked to me, if you're pregnant, should you be shooting? And I've always said no, right? Only because of um, like the transfer of chemicals and all that, you don't want to harm the child in any type of way. But you actually wrote an ebook, Shooting While Pregnant, mm -hmm. right? So can you explain all three of those books in a sense? Yeah, no. It's, so it, it, in a lot of ways, they represent my journey with shooting, you know, to a certain degree, because again, shoot your guide to shooting and competition uh, is a primer on shooting sports. So, so much of my career has been based on the shooting sports. Um, the children's book came about because I have little ones and I was really looking for a way to teach them firearm safety beyond just the universal universal message of stop, don't touch, go get an adult and kind of give them a little bit more information because kids are curious and, mm -hmm. and uh, learning the parts of a firearm is important, especially the ones that are dangerous, like the trigger and the end of the barrel, that sort of thing. Uh, and to give parents more of a resource out there. And then the shooting while pregnant um, obviously, in order to have children, I had to be pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that one came about. Um, and I did a lot of research when I became pregnant for the first time. And I didn't shoot at all um, that first for my first daughter. And the second and my second daughter, I quit after my first trimester. And uh, a lot of those very uh, concerns that you mentioned were at the top of my mind. Um, and I think that it's such a... a an interesting scenario. It's, it's obviously something you have to talk about with your partner about whether or not you want to take the risks. You know, I've known people who have shot all throughout their pregnancy and have their kids have turned out just fine. Hello, Lena Michalik. Hello. Yeah. She's perfectly fine. Right. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing wrong with Lena. <laughs> In fact, it may have helped. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I remember when Kay was pregnant with Lena but for me, um, being a little bit older when I had my kids and just, uh, you know, wanting to make sure that I, I was going to give them the absolute best opportunity and no risk at all, that's the path I went. But the book kind of outlines risks and kind of lets you know what they are. And so you can, you know, talk them over with your loved one and, and then also with your doctor because it's a very personal thing. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm more like you. I like air on the side of caution. Yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. a careful person. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it always comes back to safety and the whole care aspect of everything. Yeah. Yep. So now I want to ask you this and I'm not saying this to put you on the spot or anything, okay. <laughs> but it's a two part question. And right. the first part is what is your favorite firearm to shoot? And then the second part of the question is, what is your favorite division to shoot in USPSA? Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> you're killing me. 
Oh, my favorite gun to shoot. This is, I always, people always ask me this question mm. and usually it's people who are not as experienced as you are. And, uh, um, the, you know, I, I always explain it like, well, it's like asking a girl what her favorite pair of shoes are, you know, it's, it's really right. hard because it depends on the outfit. Right. Right. Um, I suppose if I could only shoot one firearm for the rest of my life, <laughs> uh, I would probably pick like a, a nine millimeter, 1911. Um, just because I love the way it shoots. I have so much experience with it. There's the nostalgia. Um, it, I won a world title with it. So it's, it's one of those things that I really, really love. Um, as far as a division, oh my gosh, um, that's a hard one. I think the, the division I enjoy most right now is carry optics. Um, because it's just, there's just something about being able to grab a beater MMP that you could, you've put so many rounds through, it's so filthy, dirty, throw a Trijicon SRO on the top of the thing and run, right? <laughs> and you don't have to worry about it. It's just, it's just going to run and run and run and run and run. Um, and, and I appreciate that, especially starting out in open division um, many, many moons ago before we really kind of figured out how open guns should really work. And even still, they can have their problems, but um I would say carry optics now, but I do have a sweet spot for classic division and also production division as well. And, you know, all of them. I like them all. I've, been, right. I've shot them all except for PCC. So, right <laughs> now I've been toying around with carry optics and I literally said I want to go ahead and get an RMR, put it on one of my guns and start shooting carry optics. Yeah. And I literally said this four days ago. Yeah. yeah, no, so, it's fun. It's yeah. crazy fun. So it's, it's like a race gun. <laughs> yeah. So my buddy, he has um, it was a CZ, I think it was with the RMR on it. And when I first shot that, and I was like, oh, okay, this is nothing more than what we was doing in the military with um, aim point, you know, the red dots. So yeah. and I was like, okay, I could do this, you know. <laughs> so that was back in the summertime when I shot his handgun and I'm just now making a determination now that I want to do that. It's fun. I yeah. highly recommend it. Um, it's just, I feel like it's going to be the future of the sport for, you know, in not too long, just like when production first came out in, you know, a decade or so ago, <laughs> well ago um, uh, everybody's like, oh, you know, this is silly. Nobody, this is not, this division's not going to take off. Who's going to shoot a plastic gun in this sport for fun? And, and look at production now. It's by far the biggest division internationally. Right. And uh, it's just, there, there are reasons for it. And in open may go away. I don't know, but um carry optics just makes the sport so much more accessible and a lot more fun for a lot of people so you if you have vision issues now all of a sudden it's not an issue anymore and uh it's it's like open light so right now of course everybody who shoots the sport had this conversation plenty of times over oh. and my group of friends when we sat there we was talking i said that i believe the one division that's going to go away would be um revolver and i think if anything it's going to be its own little thing like a bug match or something i think that's how it's going to fade away to it but i honestly believe carry optic forms are going to be the way of the future because i'm thinking within the next five to eight years you're going to start seeing more police officers with rmrs on their Absolutely. um carry um carry pieces 
Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. You know, it's funny about Revolver. Everybody said the, the same thing about Revolver for, again, a very long time. Right. But, you know, those Revolver shooters, they stick to it. They, they got the numbers that are consistent. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, like we, had, we had 40 Revolver shooters, so, you know. And percentage-wise, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's less, obviously. Um, but it's still something that people are, are, are looking at and care about and, and that sort of thing. And there's, there's even, you know, i which has its own sport just for Revolver. So don't, don't hold out. You, know, you never know. Yeah, you, you never know. <laughs> I got a buddy. You end yeah. up limiting the six rounds somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> my my buddy, um, Travis Crane, he's a revolver shooter, and I was talking smack to him one day, and he pulled out <laughs> his limited gun, and when he shot his limited gun, he was like, "This is too easy for me. This is pretty much boring, right?" So, revolver is what brings a challenge to him, as he said it, in so many yeah. words or less. So, I mean, I get it, but. Just from what I see whenever I shoot, that's why I say I think that's going to be the one method that's going to slowly pass away. Especially at the grassroots. I mean, you'll have your your diehard revolver shooters out there. Um, a lot of them are concentrated in the Northeast and the West Coast. Right. Um, I, it is it is hard to, to, to scrabble the things together that you need. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch them shoot, though. It's very <laughs> interesting to watch them shoot. Now... This portion of the show, I want to bring forth a video of one of my matches, and I would like for you to break it down. Okay. All right. So your thoughts of what you see in the aspect of me shooting. All right. So this is me at a match in Spartanburg. And for those who are familiar with the Spartanburg, this is the one stage that's back in the woods, and I think it's stage three. So it's very limited what you can do, but you can get very creative with the limited space that's in there. All right, so here we go. That's my favorite part right there. <laughs> <laughs> now, to let everybody know um, what was taking place, I had just got a new gun, which is a Brazos Custom. And the part that Julie said is her favorite part was when I was doing the reload. <laughs> That's a good load. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, can you break that down and um, give your insights to what you see? Because when I look at myself shoot, of course, we are all our hardest critics, our own hardest critics. So, but catching it, the perception of what somebody else sees and what they think, it can go a long way far as helping you with your shooting. Absolutely. Well, for, right off the bat, your start position looked really solid because you're, you're in position, ready to go. You've, you've got your feet pointed the way you want to go and you're, you're ready, right? Looks mm -hmm. like you got a little pressure on that wall a little bit. You pushed away on it. So you could right. lighten up there. Good step over. Great draw. Love it. How you're keeping the gun up and you position yourself in a way to bring it over. There's that beautiful reload. Beautiful, beautiful. And another part that I really like about this video here is your footwork going over could be a little bit better, but your gun is all, it's ready up and you're ready to shoot and you never bring the gun down. So many shooters will bring the gun down just to even move a couple of steps, which is totally not necessary. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say for you is that everything that I've seen you shooting, you're just, you're doing a great, great job, but you have something unique that you need to take advantage of. 
it is your legs. <laughs> I think your legs are taller than I am. And yeah. you need to use that to your advantage. And a lot of times, um, you know, people who aren't as tall will teach you to do a lot of shuffle steps, but you may have been able to just take one giant step over here at this position. And with your gun up at the same time, um, it, that may have worked better. It's one of those things where you set up the same stage or something similar in practice and really focus on footwork because when you are, have, are you're so tall and you have such long legs, you're capable of doing more things than a lot of other people are. And so that's just something to play with. And it, it's something that you're going to have to focus on because I don't know many shooters <laughs> that <laughs> are as tall or have those long legs. Right. And I say this from a place of love because at my huge height of four feet, five inches on a very, no, five feet, four inches. Sorry, I can't even remember how tall I am. Um, I have a 32 inch inseam. So I have freakishly long legs for my very short height and using the, those legs to be able to move is such an advantage that I really try to take advantage whenever possible. So this is a great, great run though. I mean, keeping the gun up, the reload's awesome. The draw is so solid. It's, it's very nice. Very nice. Bravo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, when I look at a video and of course, everybody I practice with and who I speak to, like who are coaches, of course, everybody is at the five foot barrier for me. So everybody who's coaching me, talking to me are telling me from their perspective, which is their height. And I've always said that, like, it doesn't feel comfortable for me to take shorter steps because in basketball, I would always take a bigger step. So right. I went through a transition of practicing and training, taking shorter steps. And when I figured out that I got it, then it didn't feel comfortable after I felt like I got it only because, and this just hit me maybe three months ago that everybody who is coaching or I'm talking with are all shorter and they're giving it to me from a short perspective. So now I'm starting to watch videos of Max Michelle when he runs, cause he's like six, three, six, four. Um, Jessica hook told me about Jones Nils. Yes. All right. And then she said he's tall. And I remember him from nationals. And I was yep. like, okay, yeah, he's like six, three, six, four yep. also. So yep. now I'm starting to watch their videos and watch how their foot placements are and everything. And now I got to reinvigorate that game far as movement. Absolutely. Those are Max and Nils both um, are very, very tall, long legs, but they, they have the great balance of realizing when a short step and a stutter step and all those little tiny things come into play, like the last couple couple of feet getting into a position where you want to, you know, nice and smooth, but they also use their legs too. Um, and so um, it's it's definitely something to, to look at and come up with your own style. When I started uh, really focusing on video, I would pay attention to Jerry Barnhart a lot. Again, not a, a very, very tall person, but he was so much more aggressive than a lot of the other men. And I was being taught by men saying, oh, no, you, you, you need to stand up, you know, shoot more upright and everything else. Well, I'm only me. I'm very short, right? right. <laughs> and I would watch Harriet a lot. And, uh, it, it, you know, he, he was really aggressive, got very, very low, even for someone who wasn't as tall. It was very, very helpful. So it's smart stuff there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like I said, I try to dissect the videos to figure out what I can do. And of course, it's just putting the puzzle together to make it a complete puzzle to make it a smooth transition. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I'm all for it. But next, 
year in the shooting season, the 2021 shooting season, I do plan on going back to nationals and getting up higher than I did. That's but, a great goal. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes at national before even stepping foot on the nationals because target distance kind of played in my mind, I guess you could say. And I went into making adjustments on my firearm before nationals. And I should have uh, never done that. <laughs> and I should have just kept it like it was and just played it out how I went into it. Yeah. Now you learn. That's how you, that's how you grow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like when I went down and did area six, I felt very good with area six being that I shot like 58%, almost 60% um, with top shooters in the country. Absolutely. So, and I was like, okay, that gives me a ballpark of what I got to do. So now I started working on shooting more moving, getting low and trying to work on exiting because I'm a firm believer in the faster you get out of a position and get into a next position, the faster you can shoot. And then it's just repeat and rinse and just keep it there going. You go. Yep. You're on a good path. Hey, I'm trying to. So, but don't be surprised if I hit you up and be like, hey, um, I need some advice here. Can you check this out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast and holding a conversation with me. And if the good people wanted to follow you, how can they get in touch with you, follow your videos, follow your social media, all that good stuff? Well, the best place is to just go to juliegollub.com. It's J-U-L-I-E-G-O-L-O-B. And I have all my links to social media there, YouTube. I have a blog, all, all the links to everything that you want all in one spot. <laughs> so I don't have to send at this, at that, nothing. It's just right there. <laughs> all right. So once again, I want to thank you for coming on. And sometime later on in the season, before the end of season three, I do want to bring you back and do another follow on video and then figure out where you are in the shooting sport at that day and time. That would be lovely. I, I do appreciate it. So if everybody will, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. 
Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.